Assalamualaikum and hi everyone. This is Shaida, your host signing in. Thanks for tuning in to episode one of season two, the Shaida Effect podcast. With me today is my old mate from Shalons Academy, Aisha Ali. We are inspired to invite her on today's episode as she is the epitome of living life to the fullest and unapologetically. So let's welcome Aisha. Hello. Hello, Assalamualaikum. And so, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> So Aisha, can you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Of course. My name, like Shaida said, is Aisha Ali. I'm 23. I'm from Glasgow. I still live in Glasgow. Um, I'm the oldest sister of four sisters and two brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, married and I have a dog called Bella. And yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> what are you currently doing? Um, so I currently work in a co-op, which is like, you know, like a, a wee supermarket. I was studying and I got my degree in social sciences. And when the pandemic hit, I didn't really fancy doing my master's degree from home mm-hmm. um, just because it was it was so hectic and stuff. So I just wanted to work and earn some money and like focus on moving out because we were still living with my mum. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I actually want to go back to uni next year and I'm going to do primary teaching, hopefully. But yeah, right now just working in co-op. <laughs> that sounds like a good, like a good plan, you know. And um, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> where are you planning to study actually next year? I'm not sure. Like, I really want to go to like Glasgow or Strathclyde or something in Glasgow, definitely, because for my undergraduate degree, I went to west of Scotland, but it was mm-hmm. based in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So I was traveling like 14 miles every time I had to go to class, and it was too much. Like, oh. I don't drive, so. Oh, I see. Oh, I thought it was. Oh, so, yeah. I thought you studied in Glasgow. Oh, no, not nice. the first time. I went to college for two years and then went to uni for two years, and mm-hmm. I just didn't get accepted anywhere. And I don't know if it's because obviously I was coming from college, but mm-hmm. it was okay. I was I was happy though. I was I enjoyed uni, and I was really happy to, you know, obviously get there and stuff. So yeah. I didn't mind. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so now let's get on with our questions yeah. so before yeah. we get into the deeds let's talk about the concept of soulmate so um you know in the quran right um there's this ayat from surah al-baqarah uh ayat 187 um it says uh, which means your women are clothing for you and you are the clothing for them it just means your garments to each other and i find it so beautiful you know because even in the quran like um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned like this concept of soulmate, right? So, yeah. um, before you meet Saif, right, uh, your husband, do you believe in it, this concept of soulmate? What were your thoughts on it? Um, I definitely did. I was very romantic, like my whole life I've been very into like true <laughs> love, soulmates. And am I right in saying like your soul is like your nord, like that's got that's Allah's light in you. And I've always thought like like your soulmate would be the person that makes that shine, that makes you glow. And I did I, I, I was very romantic, so I did definitely believe in it. But I also was a little bit skeptical of like, well, why would you meet your soulmate down the street from you? What are the chances that it would be someone so nearby? Um but it was, yeah, it was definitely something I believed in. That's really cool. So has your perception on that concept changed these days? Um, it's 
changed in the sense, I guess, it's gotten stronger, but it has changed because I would say, I think now I believe that your soul can be very compatible with someone or be drawn to someone, but that's not all it takes, obviously, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you can have soulmates with friends, with family, with romantic relationships. And I think I've learned the value of that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Because obviously people just put so much focus on a partner, a life yeah. partner, but um, yeah, definitely. I, I think that you should definitely be around people that are good for your soul. And I do think that that's what a soulmate should be, that someone romantic that is good for your soul and is very compatible mm-hmm. with. But you have to feel it in that, you know, not just in a compatible you get along, like that spiritual deeper level that you should know that that's your the other half of your dean and all that. <laughs> that's actually really beautiful. Like I really like that you mentioned that um, usually people just focus on the soulmate, the kind of relationship like between partners when actually mm-hmm. um, it's also a relationship with your family, your friends. That can be like some kind of soulmate level relationship yeah. as well, right? So, um, we all love a good old love story. So, how did you and Seth meet? Like, what attracted to you, what attracted you to each other? So, we actually met in school. Mm-hmm. We were both 13. I'm actually five months older than Seth, but sh- I mean, I'm telling everyone, <laughs> but... <laughs> so, I was here above him in school. So, we never really had classes together but we always shared friend groups. So we ended up being like the best of friends. And as soon as I met him though, I just was like, I just wanted to be around him. I don't know, there was something about him that was so like magnetic. Mm -hmm. And I just never met anyone that I'd felt so like excited about. Like, I don't know, I just thought he was so funny and just everything he said, I just thought was like great. Like it was really, it was so cheesy, but I was properly like struck by him. But we were just friends, like nothing ever um, was discussed further. You know, we were just friends and, and that was fine. And then that lasted for years and years and years until mm-hmm. we were 16. Mm-hmm. And everyone used to always say to us like, oh, you two are going to get married. You two are going out. And we were like, no, we're not. We're genuinely just friends. We don't want anything like deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then around when we turned like 15, 16, we kind of realized that, no, there are some feelings there. Um, and just kind of discussed it more and then we ended up being in a relationship in December 2013. <laughs> wow, that's amazing because like how did you actually realize that you know like to have that kind of connection is really beautiful. So when did it you, was... yeah yeah sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, no I'm just gonna say it was, yeah, no, it, was, it, was, it was just so different I think that's what kind of struck me just straight away that it was just a different relationship even just as friends mm-hmm. we used to all say all oh, were best friends but like, it, like we really were like we were really best friends for years before it ever went into a relationship and i think that that helps mm-hmm. so um you've had you've ha- you do have like um male best friends right but what exactly differentiates those best friends with surf like so yeah that's a great example like i've always had male best friends uh-huh. and i've had some that I've had since before Seth as well mm. and it just never felt like deep we would talk about things but it would just never be it would just more maybe be at a surface level or even if it was it just I don't know I never felt that that butterflies way about them you know like I wasn't excited 
maybe to spend all my time with them. I wouldn't prioritise time with them over other people. It would just be a really casual thing. But when I was when I became friends with Seth, we used to make plans. We used to go out of our way to hang out. We would go to lunch together and and talk in the corridors. And it was just we made a lot more effort, I think, to maintain mm-hmm. the, the friendship. Whereas other friends were maybe more casual or I don't know. I just didn't feel it. <laughs> mm, that's interesting. So, so when did you both decide to tie the knot? Like, um, because you guys made the effort to like make the friendship works, right? Like, it's not that it's not as casual as with other friends. Like, yeah. what what actually triggers that moment of like, ah, he's the one? You know, if there is such feeling, do you think? Um, for me, I would say when we started like an actual relationship when we were sixteen, I knew like I was in it for the long run, just because I couldn't imagine my life being better without him mm-hmm. or I couldn't imagine my life just without him full stop like he just became so much of my daily life and daily thoughts and um so for me I knew straight away like we were in it for Seth obviously he was 16 so he was like not thinking marriage at that age he would always just laugh and say I'm too young I'm too young <laughs> and then there was this moment when he turned like 19 mm-hmm. which is still so young where he was like we should get married soon And I was like, why, what's changed? And he just, I don't know. It's like he grew up overnight where he just kind of had this focus to work towards this future for us. Mm -hmm. And he was just so, so sure of it. And he went home and like his family always knew about me. They always knew I existed. They always knew my name, but he went home and was like, no, I want to get married and stuff and was taking it very seriously. So that was like, it genuinely felt overnight. I don't know what, I've asked him like what changed, what triggered it. And he's like, I just, I just knew, like, I genuinely don't know from his side at all. <laughs> but I just, I don't, yeah. I'm glad he did, though. <laughs> yeah, that was very responsible of him, to be honest. Like, because usually yeah. most, people, most people just like, you know, yeah, not, let's not take it to the next level. Let's just yeah, remain as I it is. That, that's the, that for him, it was like, he didn't want to be seen as messing around. Mm. He wanted people to like, obviously, respect us as a, as a couple as a married couple we wanted to be halal like that's you know that was a big we wanted to be seen as legitimate by everyone every religion every way it was mm. it was too long of just being casual i think mm. um and also we were not getting older but for me like i always wanted to get married young so for me i was like you know this is fine this is great timing <laughs> this like a dream come true <laughs> i really honestly i was so like i was i was so happy when he started taking not that he was ever messing around he was always serious about us mm-hmm. but just when started talking about marriage and, and involving the family and stuff mm-hmm. like that was just so exciting for me it really was <laughs> we just wanted to spend all of our time together i think mm-hmm. that's the main that was it. We wanted to be serious and spend all of our time together because we were just, it was, you know, you don't want to not spend time with your family because you're spending time with like a boyfriend or something. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel right. You would yeah. rather have your husband spending time with your family all together. Yeah. That's what we wanted. So that's yeah. why we made the moves. <laughs> I think it's also because of your, both of your intentions, you know, that's why Allah made it easier for it to be halal. Something like I think that. a lot of people have said that and, and it does, it feels so good. It really does because there's been a lot of like struggles in both of our lives individually, mm-hmm. but with marriage and with finding each other, it has been just such a straight road for me. Mm-hmm. And I found like some, for some people that's the hardest 
thing but for me I found it so young and I just feel so so lucky like it's it's unreal sometimes it sounds so cheesy but like we've been together for eight years and uh -huh. it still just feels so unreal ah oh, that's so sweet <laughs> <laughs> I feel so emotional, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. So, um, you know how um, the topic marriage is actually quite difficult for some of us, some young people, you know, our age, mm -hmm. to bring up to our parents. So, was it easy for you both to bring that up? No. Um, <laughs> so with my mum, uh -huh. as you know, like I'm mixed race, so my mum mm -hmm. is Scottish, so she always knew about Seth, she loved mm -hmm. him as a son from very mm -hmm. early, she was very accepting. So when I told her, we've got a very good relationship and she trusted my decision and she knew if it was going to make me happy that she would support it, so I was mm -hmm. very, very lucky with my mum. With my dad, he didn't know Seth existed, oh. he didn't know anything <laughs> he knew i had a friend called seth and that was about it uh -huh. but um so i, I actually told my popo first mm -hmm. my dad's sister mm -hmm. and i said to her um someone wants to marry me and i want to tell my dad but i don't know how mm -hmm. so she invited me over like i came over we had dinner i spoke to her then i spoke to my gran mm -hmm. then they invited my dad over um so my gran, I didn't know this, but my gran actually told my dad before when I wasn't in the room, she kind of gave him a warning oh. of what I was going to talk about, which oh. I didn't know that. So I came through shaking and I was <laughs> like, dad, I need to tell you something. And I was like, I literally said it like someone wants to marry me because I was trying to act like I didn't do anything. Someone <laughs> like, else wants to marry me. Um, <laughs> and he just said, okay. And I burst out crying. Like I just didn't expect. I, I just didn't expect him to not question it. Mm -hmm. um, and I just gave him a hug, and we just kind of cried. Well, he didn't cry, but I cried for a while. <laughs> and he said, he was like, you know, we'll go and we'll sort it out with your family and blah blah blah. And we started. He started making plans straight away and asking me like, what do I want? And I was just so shocked by that, just because I, I knew I was I was twenty by that point, but I'm still young and and. I was in university, but I hadn't graduated yet. Mm -hmm. So I just wasn't sure how he would respond. Mm -hmm. For Seth, his mum always knew about me and she was genuinely grateful that we were going to make it serious, official, halal, because she was never understandably, like I fully understand, but she was never fully comfortable with us dating, which, oh. you know, Muslim mother, I, I get that. Um, so she was grateful. She was she was happy. I think at first we weren't sure if we were gonna like get in a car mm -hmm. and still just live with our own parents and mm -hmm. just kind of wait a, a few more years before we moved in together. But then after time, we decided like that was the best route. So it was just kind of getting to that point that was tricky. But telling our parents was thankfully, alhamdulillah, like quite quite good. <laughs> That's alhamdulillah, very good. Yeah. I think being honest is my best advice to anyone that would ever. It's hard and obviously sometimes you have to not tell mm -hmm. the full truth, I understand that, but just being honest about your intentions because if your parents are Muslim and have those beliefs, then they just, they'll be so grateful that you're marrying one, a Muslim, two, that you're taking your life seriously, that you want to settle down because any parent would rather that mm -hmm. than something bad happening to you mm -hmm. or, you know, teen pregnancies and other scary things like they would always rather you were wanting to settle i believe that anyway mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah yeah definitely especially like for muslim parents right 
they would obviously mm-hmm. yeah like as you said about that so um yeah even even i feel a bit skeptical about marriage especially you know um in my country like you have to be like there's a lot of obstacles before you reach to that stage you know that marriage mm-hmm. thing like for mm-hmm. us we have to be financially stable um and what not do you, do you guys worry about such stuff you and Seth I really did I was terrified about money just because I was working in the co-op mm-hmm. and Seth was still a student he was working um as well but he was a student so mm-hmm. I did worry but then we ended up staying with my mum for two years mm-hmm. which was a, obviously a huge financial help she helped us so much by just letting us live there and mm-hmm. um, we did obviously pay for things help with bills pay for food stuff like that but you know we had the chance to save that way mm-hmm. and even then though when we when we moved out on our own i was still scared about money and stuff but Seth's one of those people that like if he if i ask he'll explain to me like this is where money goes this is how this works but he just can say to me like don't worry about it i know what's going on and i feel safe enough that i can trust him that he's you know he would never abuse our finances he would never make us uns- you know n- nothing like that i can fully fully trust him like i know where our money goes i know how much money i have you know to spend on this that the next thing myself and i do just kind of leave that up to him like he graduated and stuff and now he just works mm-hmm. and it is i'm just i'm very lucky in that sense that i don't think too much about when things are due and this and that like but yeah it is scary though because you don't you do panic you obviously think how much do you because I, I try i don't like to work full time and not i don't like to i kind of struggle to work mm-hmm. full time <laughs> um and i thought i would have to i thought i'd be 40 hours a week and, and feeling really unwell and stuff like that but thankfully I, i've not had to to do anything too crazy so it's um, it's been <laughs> That's amazing. You know, like, it's just amazing, like, how, you know, things are made easier for people who are, who have the right intention. Yeah. I really yeah. do believe that. Mm-hmm. I really, really do believe. Like, I have become so much more religious and aware of just how, like, blessed I actually am. Like, I, I struggled a lot and I didn't know I was struggling. And that's the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. It gave me this clarity that I didn't even know I needed. Mm-hmm. In what sense uh, would you like to right. elaborate? Um, just that way where you pray for things your whole life and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden when you actually start to to work towards them mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have this help and you don't know where this help is coming from and then you're like, well, no, it's it's God, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's everything you prayed for and it's everything that... It's hard to accept that you deserve it. That was mm-hmm. my biggest thing. Whenever good things were happening for us, mm-hmm. um, I, I felt like I didn't deserve it. I felt I felt guilty. I felt I struggled to feel. I felt so happy, and then I would feel bad for feeling happy. And then I was like, I had a friend um, who said to me, like, "But you deserve it. You've prayed for this. You've, you know, it's just it's your time. It's." Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they say, though. It's, it happens when it's meant to. I believe that every single thing is written. And that's what I believed about Seth, too, and, and, and with soulmates and stuff. If it was meant to be, it was always meant to be. And I'm just so grateful because, you know, nothing confirms. Obviously, you have to believe in God in the good times, the bad times, all the time. Mm-hmm. But I just think it reaffirms it when you have struggled for so long and then you get 
so many blessings at once. Yeah. And it feels <laughs> so yeah, just, so beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, and I just I realized like, well, sometimes you feel helpless, but I was like, well, I'm not. Like, I actually now just pray a lot more than I ever did. Mm-hmm. I, I used to pray a lot when I was younger, and then I went through a couple of years where I just kind of felt a bit disillusioned by. I just thought I was maybe doing it more out of a superstitious kind of reason rather than true faith. Mm-hmm. So I thought, no, I'm not going to pray every single day if I'm only doing it because I think something bad will happen if I don't. Mm-hmm. I only want to pray when I genuinely feel that calling. Mm-hmm. So it completely changed my relationship because I think I was doing it for the right reasons then. Mm-hmm. And that's when I just noticed kind of my life started to get a bit clearer and a bit happier. But I still struggle, of course. I'm not completely, you know, I'm not all the way there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all struggle actually with faith, especially. So I, I kind of get like some uh, some idea on how you feel after marriage, but just for the sake of the question, like, <laughs> do you <laughs> do you feel your life has changed? And if it does, does it? Do you feel it, it is becoming better or the other way around? It's definitely better. Mm-hmm. It taught me so much, like responsibility. I actually like had this conversation with my sister, uh-huh. where I wanted to like not like apologize to my mum because now that I run my own house, uh-huh. I understand exactly. And she had she has five children. Like never mind, I'm doing this with with just a dog here. There's no <laughs> children, um, and it's it's amazing like it really really is and I just wanted to like apologize to her that oh my goodness how did you do all that and I should have helped so much more Mm -hmm. but I didn't feel like as soon as I moved in I just felt so enabled Mm -hmm. and so able to do things that before sometimes I would be anxious Mm -hmm. or I don't know and and Seth always says like what are you anxious for you're my wife (laughs) (laughs) and it's so cheesy but like it helps because I just I feel like well it's true like it's, I've got that kind of backup. Even when he's not with me, I've kind of got him in my head, encouraging me. Well, it's for my house, so of course I can run to the shops and pick up a couple of things. Whereas before, going to the shops would maybe be a bit I, I, scary for me. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I do. I feel I feel like a proper like adult, which I didn't expect. I would feel like a shit. I'm not an adult, but I feel a lot closer to being an adult. I felt like a kid before, and I didn't realise that. I thought I felt very mature. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's yeah it's definitely changed for the better. Uh, this question might be out of topic, but you mentioned just now that you are the eldest, right? How I've how... got one sister actually, but uh-huh. um like she's married with children and happy, so it's kind of more just like um I do feel like the oldest. <laughs> so how does how does it feel to be the eldest? Because I am the eldest as well, and just now you mentioned about like being married and staying away from family makes you feel like apologizing to your mom and i kind of relate to that a bit because like you know it's it's hard to explain right like yeah Yeah, when i moved out Mm -hmm. i felt like i was abandoning her Uh i felt like something terrible was going to happen to her Mm -hmm. i used to phone her every single morning i used to cry because in the morning usually i would spend time with um her and my baby sister my sister's only two and a half now um, but she was obviously a baby when we first got married, so mm-hmm. uh, I felt so guilty. It was really stressful and scary for me. But everyone, my mum never ever made me feel that way. She always reassured me that she was going to be fine and mm-hmm. that I was an adult. I could do what I want. You know, it was time. I was married. I, of course, I could move out. Like it was never a question. 
But of course, as the oldest, I think you feel so much responsibility. Mm-hmm. You feel so protective. You you really want to kind of just take your mum's burden away. You want to help your siblings as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you put that before yourself and, and yeah. before, you know, your own needs. Mm-hmm. And it's such a difficult balance. And I think being married, that's one thing I've struggled, not struggled with, but finding that balance between helping my family, not helping them, but just wanting to help them and be around them all the time and mm-hmm. missing them. And obviously being someone's wife and mm-hmm. running a house and I want to spend all my time with all of them. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's it's difficult, you know, there's there's not enough hours in the day. And, and but I do, I miss my mum, not as much, like I've lived here for six months now, seven mm-hmm. months actually. So it's not, I don't cry anymore, but I do miss her. But she used to live quite far away, like an hour long bus. Oh. And she recently moved just like 10 minutes down the street so so yeah you can just (laughs) like I can just walk down the street and it's so good because before I would have to dedicate a full day to seeing her but now I can just see her for half an hour then go home and it just gives me so much more time so I'm, I'm already feeling like yeah that's another kind of thing that's helped a lot that's amazing yeah it really it really has been I'm so excited she lives here now (laughs) So now let's talk about um, your identity as a mixed race, right? You see, when yeah. I when I first met you as a classmate, like remember we sat in front of each other in Mr. Ahmed's class in maths. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly thought you were white until I learned yeah. of your yeah until I learned of your name, and I was like legit so confused. Like, is she like? What? Yeah, that happens <laughs> to so many people. Like. Especially now I'm married, people think that I am white and I just converted for marriage. And uh-huh. I'm like, no. I was like, no, I'm actually mixed race. That was my name before. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 hard. It's one of those things where, uh, as a child, I guess I felt, like, quite out of place. Mm-hmm. Like, I was never... Pakistani enough for the Pakistani side Mm -hmm. I was never white enough for the white side because Mm -hmm. I just kind of I would like certain things from both cultures I would and also I wasn't fully like educated on Mm -hmm. things on both cultures so there would be this kind of gap in my knowledge where I would stick out either way Mm -hmm. um but I do as I as I grew up I'm like in college whenever we done our graded graded unit assessments in the mm-hmm. university when I done my dissertation I actually done it on topics related to being mixed race mm-hmm. just because it gave me a chance to read about other people's experiences a lot more and ask myself questions I'd never really asked before mm-hmm. and just kind of explore what it meant a little bit more and it made me realize that anything I do mm-hmm. is part of like Pakistani culture mm-hmm. just because I'm like I'm not half white and half Pakistani like I'm mixed race I'm both of those things I don't mm-hmm. need to be one or the other mm-hmm. and it's just it's quite difficult to kind of embrace it because it's like you're creating your own culture that's never really existed before because mm-hmm. it is a proper blend of everything I've grown yeah. up with like it's so cheesy but it's like oh Eid and Christmas but <laughs> like it's, it's People have always said that to me my whole life, like, oh, you get, you must get everything. And it's, it, you know, it's hard being mixed race because you do feel that kind of out of place way and you do. And especially like, I, I look white, as you say, <laughs> I'm very, very, very white passing. So I have white privilege, you know, people would not, I've never, ever had racial abuse. Well, I've had racial abuse, but only because people know 
that I'm Pakistani, not just racial abuse randomly because someone sees me in the street. Um, mm-hmm. I've never, I've never had to experience that, and that is a huge privilege. So I have to obviously recognise that. So mm-hmm. sometimes it is difficult, but I do have it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I do. I think that the world is becoming more mixed race, and yeah. people are going to have to just kind of accept the fact that the culture is on both sides you know it's not that just people sometimes think that maybe Pakistani side is a little bit more like difficult because I'm white but that's mm-hmm. not really the case like there's been times where it's been difficult to be Pakistani in a white environment mm-hmm. and I felt quite out of place so but I do think that things are changing and getting better and as I've grown older I've just become a lot more confident in what it means to be mixed race and, and in myself and yeah I love That's it now. Great. It's like a good thing about. It's always been a good thing about myself, but mm-hmm. like now, I really, really feel good about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, would would you like to say anything to, you know, to others? Would you know at least they would try to understand from your perspective? But as you said, you know, like um, we are moving towards a world that is like more accepting. Like our generation mm-hmm. is like more accepting of people who are from different backgrounds and are of like mixed. Um, races and we have this like yeah. this online thing you know people are, are becoming more open so but what would you say to like these people like definitely hmm <laughs> <laughs> I would say that like mixed race people existing should never be made to feel like an accident or like a wrong thing mm-hmm. and that sometimes it's not someone's fault for not knowing something about both of the races that mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. because you never know someone's someone might look a certain way and you expect them to act a certain way but yeah, they don't definitely. know anything about yep. that culture just because of whatever reason and just kind of not give people a chance but give people a chance <laughs> like There's a lot of things even about Pakistani culture and since becoming a wife that I've learned and I'm mm-hmm. like, I didn't know any of this growing up because I think obviously my dad is the Pakistani one. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that maybe a mother would teach you mm-hmm. that I never got taught because my mother wasn't Pakistani. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like you're always playing catch up mm-hmm. and people just need to let, kind of understand that a little bit more. That maybe just let someone know that if they need to know something about their culture, mm-hmm. you can come to them and ask them some questions. Like, I wish someone would say that to me. Here's some tips on how to, you know, I would say families, especially like ethnic families, can be kind of there's certain rules, there's certain ways to operate, there's certain, you know, yourself. It's mm-hmm. it's culture is is very rich, mm-hmm. and it's hard to learn just by you know being thrust into a situation yeah. i think everyone needs a, like a big sister they can kind of ask like what do i do what do i do how do i serve tea <laughs> Stuff like that. so just like people should be more kind i guess more kind yeah. Um, yeah, more yeah just kind of more open arms and, and just be be knowledge like be a source of knowledge for people that yeah. maybe don't have as many like figures at home mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah I hope, yeah, listen, people, we have to be more open <laughs> and kind. <laughs> okay, so um, last question for tonight. Um, I noticed that sometimes you share some snippets and memories of your grandparents from your mother's side, yeah. which I find very heartwarming, as it also reminds me of my grandmother, Opa. We call, it, we call her Opa. And, 
Yeah, and you're the kind of person that um, holds your grandparents very close at heart. So um, are there any memorable stories of them that you'd like to commemorate here on this episode? Um, I would love to say that my mom's mom, who I just, I called her my grand, uh-huh. she was like my second mother. Mm-hmm. I was so, so close to her. I had two um, younger sisters who were like, just very close in age mm-hmm. so my mom would often be maybe busy with them or you know just they were little they needed her more I, I was like four or five six mm-hmm. so I would just want to stay at my grand's house and I would just spend so much time with her and she would teach me to bake and cook and read she would read me books that were like for high school kids when I was like five and six years old <laughs> like she taught me how to swim and tie my shoelaces like she was just so so precious to all of us um i've only actually got one grand left my ummi that's my dad's mum she's she's my daddy but we call her ummi which means mum mm-hmm. and it's just so precious it's you never know how quickly they can be taken from you and and i was so lucky i got to meet all four of my grandparents um, what a funny story actually quickly about my um, my dada. We mm-hmm. used to call him Big Dad, my dad's mm-hmm. dad. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know why we called him Big Dad. We just always did. <laughs> um, my little sister would always say to him, do you love me? Because she just was like that. She was just always asking questions like that. Um, and he would always just kind of ignore it or just grunt. He, he didn't talk a lot. Um, but one time she asked it and he said to her, see, every time you come to the house, is there not bananas on the table? And she was like, yeah. And he's like, is there not cereal in, in the cupboard? And she was like, yeah. And he's like, I buy that because I know you're coming and that's your favorite stuff. <laughs> and it just really touched me because I thought like he, he will never say, I love you. He wasn't like that, mm. but it's true. If he knew I was coming to the house, there would mm-hmm. be mangoes, there would be the favorite things. And he just always made that effort. And he would always speak out for the children above anyone else. If he thought the kids were getting treated in a way he didn't like, he would mm-hmm. be like, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, don't shout at her. And he would always be the first protector of kids. Um, and he passed away in 2013, which was actually the year me and Seth like, started taking things more seriously. And I think that was, I think losing him was really, really difficult. And having Seth through that helped a lot because he was like, a proper like head of the family he had so much love and respect and yeah it's just a huge loss so cherish your grandparents and i I miss them so much i'll always miss them you can't replace that feeling yeah so i do i try and share wee stories and pictures whenever i can they're really beautiful i really enjoyed whenever you posted them because it, it, it just feels really human you know because people these days they just post things that are well it's their instagram but you know sometimes yeah, yeah. so polished and so it, it can seem a little bit not sincere i like to try and be very open and just talk to people as if they're all my friends and most of the people that follow me are you know hopefully they are my friends i know them personally and and i just want to be myself because i think when you start to edit yourself too mm-hmm. much mm-hmm you don't you feel insecure just sitting in your own skin yeah and you don't really know it's so easy to lose that especially like with social media being so crazy like these days yeah Um, and i used to when i was younger let things like that affect me but that's why i try and even if i do think oh i look a mess i'm like okay so like it's just my face it's i'm not gonna have another face i might as well just accept it 
and people should just I, I love to see people being open and honest and share things about their lives and just wee stories about themselves their family like those are my favorite people to follow on instagram because it just feels real it just feels like like hearing a story from a friend and it's mm -hmm. that's what it should be about yeah yeah definitely so right that was so fun actually that it's a pity so <laughs> it's a pity we've come to the end much. oh my goodness no no you didn't talk too much you you talked just the right amount <laughs> thank, you. thank you so 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 much for having me i literally like i've missed you it's so good to catch up and have a chat and see your face and thank you so much for thinking of me <laughs> yeah it's so lovely that you are you know willing to do this with me and i feel like my heart is all warm I, I can feel Aww. yeah. I can feel it right now. I hope everybody's Good. listening to this episode can feel the warmth extended from Aisha's stories. Yes. Lots of love, lots of good vibes, prayers, duas always. You need to keep your life happy because the world is so miserable. Your mm -hmm. own little world has to be like so happy. Yeah. At least our world has to be happy, even though the Exactly. Yeah. You need to be so precious and protect that because that's all you've got. Like, the rest of the world doesn't care. Not to be so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so thank you to those who stick around. So with that, Aisha and I, we are signing out. Goodbye. Bye.